Let us pray. Heavenly Father, how grateful and awed we are at your love for us demonstrated through the death and now the resurrection of Jesus, which we celebrate this day. And truly, Lord, through Jesus, you empower us by your power to rise to a holier state, to be in living relationship with you. And we are so grateful. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Good morning, everyone. So good to see all of you. Happy Easter again. I am so glad that you've joined us for church today. I want to especially welcome those of you who may be new to All Saints Church. We are so glad that you're here, and look, I look forward to meeting you at the conclusion of this service. Um, just so you know, we are here every Sunday at 8.15 and 11 a.m., and while we didn't have it today, most Sundays, pretty much every Sunday, we have an education hour between those two services with something for adults as well as youth and children um, to the youngest age all the way through elementary school. So there's something for everyone in your family. So we are, again, so glad that you're here. I also want to take a moment. This has been a wonderful, wonderful week at All Saints Church as we've observed Holy Week and walked with Jesus through his passion to the resurrection today. We had our Road to the Resurrection outreach to the community yesterday, and we had, it was 365 people who came through. So thanks be to God, and thanks to all of you for your wonderful service and participation in that. And I do want to take a moment to recognize, not just with Road to Resurrection, but all of the service planning this week, all of our staff and so many volunteers that worked to make all of Holy Week, a meaningful time of reflection and celebration and also a wonderful success in the Lord. So can we express appreciation to our wonderful staff and their teams? <clears throat> well, it is Easter Sunday. You're well aware of that. And it will probably come as no surprise that I want to talk to you about the reality of Christ's resurrection this morning. I want to look at the resurrection as it unfolded as a reality to those first witnesses the women who were among Jesus' disciples, who went at dawn on that resurrection morning, and also then how this subsequently unfolded as a reality to the 11 remaining apostles and the larger group of Jesus' disciples. But I don't want to stop at that point today. I want to begin on that resurrection morning, but I want to look beyond that moment, looking to the reality that the power of Christ's resurrection to transform and set free is the same today, right here, right now for you and me, as it was on that first Easter morning. It's just as much of a reality. We're reminded in God's word in the letter to the Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there is a beautiful sequence in our scripture readings today beginning with the account of the resurrection in St. Luke's gospel through Acts chapter 10, and then to in St. Paul's letter to the Colossians. And this beautiful sequence demonstrates and affirms to you and me the ongoing reality of the transforming power of Jesus' resurrection down through the centuries to this very day. For you and me, right here, right now. It all begins on that resurrection morning with the reality of Christ's resurrection revealed. 
women, disciples of Jesus, including Mary Magdalene, whose life had already been radically transformed by knowing Jesus, and we talked about that some last night, the women go to Jesus' tomb. By all accounts, they got there very early in the morning, arriving at the tomb at the first light of day. Luke 24, chapter 1 says, At early dawn, they went to the tomb. Think about what it is like that time of the day. And for those of you who aren't early risers, yes, 5 and 6 o'clock do come twice a day. Sunrise here today was at 6.30. But before sunrise, you have that period beforehand when the sky is getting light, but visibility is still fuzzy. Do you, some of you that are early risers know what I'm talking about? And sometimes it's difficult to clearly see things. And this is perhaps, I think, what those first witnesses to the resurrection encountered as they went to the tomb at the early dawn. Picture it with me as they approached. Was the stone there, but they just couldn't see it clearly from a little bit of a distance? Was it moved? Was it gone? Were they even in the right place? Had they made a wrong turn on the path? What was going on? They expected to come to lovingly honor their teacher and dear friend by anointing his body with spices and giving him a proper burial. But everything suddenly changed. This is not what they expected. Surely they didn't know what to think. Especially in light of the horrific trauma they had all experienced in the past three days. The disciples, all of them, were traumatized. They were fearful. What now? Were they going to be next? And they know something is happening. But as St. Luke says, they were perplexed. And when the angels described as men in dazzling apparel spoke to them, understandably, they were frightened and they bowed their faces to the ground. And the angel spoke to them and said, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. New Testament scholar Daryl Bach in his commentary on this passage in St. Luke's Gospel says this, Despite Jesus' teaching, the resurrection was too unbelievable to register with the disciples until after it occurred. A reaction that is natural enough given the rarity of such an event. Repeatedly, Jesus had promised them that all of this would come to pass. In Luke 9, 22, Jesus said to them, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. The angels remind them that this is exactly, precisely what Jesus had promised. They report what they have witnessed to the apostles, the women do, and to the other disciples. But with all they had been through, it takes time. It took time for the magnitude of the reality of all of this to sink in for them. And from this moment for the next 40 days until the ascension, the resurrected Jesus appears to them on numerous occasions. And as they lay hold of the promise and the power of the resurrection, their lives are never the same. 
And through these witnesses, the truth and the transforming power of Christ's resurrection begins to spread to the regions beyond Palestine. Brothers and sisters, we cannot lose sight of the magnitude of God's truth here. They didn't simply go and retell what they had witnessed. They told it in the resurrection power of Jesus, who now, by the Spirit of God, was flowing in and through them. That same resurrection power that is transformative both for them and for those of us even down to this day through the ministry that God gave them. They touched people who then also experienced the resurrection power of Jesus. So we have the resurrection revealed, but we also have the reality of Christ's resurrection beginning to expand. Among the last things that Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended back to heaven include these words. In St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In Mark's gospel, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Then in Acts chapter 1, verses 7 through 8, Jesus says, it is not for you to know the times or season that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The resurrected Jesus has made the life-giving, life-transforming power of his resurrection a reality in each of their lives. And in that power that they've been given to proclaim, not just in words, but in Christ's power and authority to touch people at the point of their need, to see people set free, to see people delivered, they go. And the power of Christ, the resurrection power of Christ is operative in and through them and is experienced by those to whom they minister. And it continues to spread and spread and spread. In our reading today from Acts chapter 10, we see the gospel, the good news of new life and resurrection power through Jesus, indeed spreading beyond Jerusalem, moving to the Gentiles, just as Jesus had promised that it would, to all nations, to all people groups. And Peter, transformed by Christ's resurrection power, both confesses and declares in Acts chapter 10, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. They now get it. And they see God's promises continuing to unfold. Because the good news of new life and transformation through Jesus, they came to understand, was not just for them, not just for those first disciples. It was not just for Jews. But in Acts 10, God's word shows us that this good news is truly for all people. Every one of us, 
Jew and Gentile alike. Continuing in verses 40 through 43 of Acts chapter 10. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Did you hear that? Everyone, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Not based on nationality, people group, social status, employment, education, wealth. I could go on and on and on. Everyone, regardless of any of those things, anyone who believes in him. And indeed, as the gospel continued to spread, God has his people in all places and in all lands. I was reading a while ago and discovered something very interesting about the countries of Laos and Vietnam prior to colonialism in the 20th century. Before colonialism, the kings of Laos and Vietnam were unclear where the border of those two countries was. It's a very um, dense jungle, mountainous region. And what they decided was those who ate short-grained rice, built their houses on stilts, and decorated them with Indian-style serpents were considered Laotians because that was the culture of Laos. On the other hand, those who ate long-grained rice, built their houses on the ground, and decorated them with Chinese-style dragons would be considered Vietnamese. And that's the way taxing worked out. If your house was on the ground, you paid taxes to the king of Vietnam. If your house was on stilts, you paid taxes to Laos. Each person belonged to the kingdom whose cultural values he or she exhibited. And that's how it works with the people of God, people transformed by the resurrection power of Jesus. It doesn't matter where God has placed us. He's placed us in all sorts of different contexts, in all sorts of different living circumstances, in all different countries around the world. But we are known because the life of Jesus will shine through us. The power of Jesus is evident in our lives by God's grace and our citizenship and our loyalty and our fidelity are demonstrated to be to that kingdom, Christ's eternal kingdom, and ultimately there and not to the kingdoms and the powers of this world. So we see the reality of Christ's transforming power revealed to the first witnesses. We see the reality of the promise of Christ's resurrection expand to Gentiles and Jews throughout that part of the world in that day. And as I've already touched on a little bit, third and finally, we need to understand. Hear this. We need to understand that the reality of Christ's resurrection reaches down through the centuries to you and me. Right here, right now, this very day. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And St. Peter's words, God shows no partiality. 
And remember the verse from Hebrews 1, or Hebrews I began with today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. In our New Testament reading this morning from Colossians chapter 3, St. Paul, who had also experienced the transforming of power of Christ's resurrection, says this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on those things that are above and not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I think it's important for us to note that the Colossian church was comprised both of a large number of Jewish converts together with Gentile believers. Most importantly for us, these words penned to the Colossians are timeless because through the resurrected Jesus, who is unchanging, this same promise of transforming power is what we celebrate this day because it reaches all the way to the present. You, too, can be raised with Christ. Did you hear that? You, too, can be raised with Christ. Each of us, by God's grace and power, by surrendering to Christ, can die to the things of this world through transforming resurrection power. We can die to the things which have held us down and bound for years. And through Christ and his resurrection power work in us, we can indeed die to these things. We can die to our old self. And we can be raised with Christ and experience the life of Christ in which, as Scripture says, we are hidden with Christ in God. That's what God has done for us. That is how much God loves you. Jesus truly can be your life, not just for this moment, but for all of eternity. In Romans chapter 6, we read these words. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Pastor Tim Keller tells the story, true story of a minister who was visiting Italy a number of years ago. And while there he was walking through a graveyard, And he saw the grave of a man who had died centuries earlier. Clearly, this man was an unbeliever. Clearly, he was opposed to Christianity. But he seemed also, apparently, from things there to be a little afraid of it as well. So this man had had a huge stone slab, a thick stone slab put over his grave so that he would not have to worry in his mind about being raised from the dead in case there actually was a resurrection of the dead. And he had had etched all over his tombstone, the words, I do not want to be raised from the dead. I do not believe in it. However, evidently, when he was buried, an acorn must have fallen into the ground. And so several hundred years later now, this little acorn had grown into a mighty oak tree. It had grown up through the grave. It had split that slab and was a towering oak there in the cemetery no doubt with lots of good fertilizer. 
But that pastor touring in Italy looked at that and thought, if an acorn which has the power of biological life in it can split a slab of that magnitude, what can an acorn of the power of God's resurrection do in a person's life? Surrendering to Christ. Coming to know him as Savior in the power of the resurrection makes all things new. Doesn't mean that all your problems are going to go away. That's not what the Bible says. So don't leave here saying that that's what I said. But what it does tell us, what God does tell us, is as we yield and surrender to Christ, his power is operative even in the trials and the challenges of life. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead can become a reality in your life and in fuller measure in all of our lives, even if we've walked with Christ, that can happen today. Just as much as it did for those first witnesses to the resurrection. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone, did you hear that? Anyone is in Christ. He is, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Whatever your struggles in life, whatever your hardships, whatever your challenges, whatever your addictions, whatever things have kept you and held you back and bound you for years, I'm here to tell you because God's word says it, that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away, the, old, the new has come. And God is here today in Christ's resurrection power to offer you that life to offer you to be set free from any of those things and all of those things that bound you. Not saying that it might not be a hard road, but Jesus' power is at work and he is more than able to do that. Whether you've served Christ and known Christ and walked with Christ for years and there's still things that are holding you back, or whether you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you need to come to that place of yielding in faith. And throwing your arms open wide to Jesus Christ. Knowing that he will indeed make you a new creation. Because as you throw your arms and your life and all your junk and your stuff. Arms open wide to him. You know what? He's already there. Arms open wide and full of love. Inviting you. Inviting us in. To come and know him. Whom to know is life eternal. To come to know him who is the power of the resurrection so that that life can be real and true in us and it can flow through us then to touch and transform others by God's mighty power and grace as well. That, brothers and sisters, that, friends, is what the power of the resurrection is about this day through Jesus' passion, through his resurrection and God's vindication of all that he accomplished through the resurrection the arms of what God are thrown wide open. And Jesus says, come. Don't try to fix your stuff on your own. Come. Come to me. Let me heal you. Let me deliver you. Let me set you free. Let my life 
transforming eternal life flow through you and let me do my good and gracious work. That is God's invitation to every single one of us today. Jesus loves you. He invites you in. He welcomes you in, in all of his grace, in all of his love. And he's here to transform us. He's here to set us free. The old is gone through Christ and the new has come. The conclusion of our service today, we always have prayer teams during communion and they will be out in the back hallway. But at the conclusion of the service today, if you have questions about the faith, about a relationship with Jesus, if you have things that you've been struggling with and you need God to do a work of his resurrection power in your life, there are going to be members of our prayer teams over in this area following the service and they would love to talk with you, to pray with you. Um, to discuss any questions you might have. And you will find as you do that, that these are warm, loving people who just want to love you with the love of Jesus. So I'd invite you, please don't leave here if you have questions, if you need to be prayed for. You're sensing God speaking to your heart. Let him do his good and gracious work in you today. Amen? Let us pray. Father, thank you. Thank you again that the transforming resurrection of power, power of Jesus Christ is the same today as it always has been because he is indeed unchanging. He is the Lord of glory who sets free, who delivers, who heals, who makes all things new. So Lord, may we not run from you this day, but may we, whether it be for the first time or the 1,000th time, may we throw our arms open wide afresh to your loving, healing, gracious work in our lives. And may it be for your glory. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.